Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not, uh, if we do not give up. And these verses are incredibly challenging and incredibly empowering and incredibly liberating from feeling passive and feeling like a victim. And what they're saying really is that if we look at the fruit that's in our lives today, if we look at how we're feeling today, our outlook today, our priorities today, what we're giving ourselves to to today, if we look at the fruit, we can trace that back to the seeds that we have sown. So if we look at ourselves today, we could find that the way I am today, the way you are today, in both the strengths and maybe in the things that you'd love to see changed, we can trace that back and say, well, there were the seeds that I was sowing for the last five years. And the wonderful hope in these verses is this, that if we change the seed, we can actually change the harvest. Now, the great thing about Jesus is that, in one sense, he goes beyond this spiritual law because he gives us what he sowed and what he worked for and what he laboured for. So with salvation and connection to God and righteousness and being forgiven and having a fresh start, we don't reap what we sowed. So the gospel, the good news about Jesus is he did something for us, he did something as us, his life, his death, his resurrection, all the things that he sowed meant that we actually reap a harvest, actually we had absolutely nothing to do with. So what I want you to see at the beginning of this is this is not about salvation, this is not about if you sow these seeds for long enough, then you'll have acceptance with God. It's actually that Jesus, in one sense, is superior to the law, the spiritual law of reaping and sowing, and we actually harvest in Jesus what we never sowed, what we never deserved, what we never merited. Actually, we were enemies, we were anti-God, and through Jesus we we become blameless, acceptable, completely clean and washed. So that's the good news, okay? The gospel is not karma, okay? If you sow enough over here, you might reap some righteousness over there. That's not the gospel, okay? At the same time, this wonderful kingdom, we get to explore, we get to enjoy, and we get to partner with God. So we can receive a prophetic word from God, a prophetic assessment from heaven of saying, this is how I see you, this is the kind of fruit you're going to bear, this is the kind of impact that you're going to have. And we can either partner with that through believing and sowing seeds that will lead to reaping that, or we can sow to unbelief 
and harden our heart to his voice. Because there's nothing inevitable about certain aspects of the prophetic promises that we receive. So God can say to us as a local church, you are called to percolate into society and carry buckets of the presence of God. But how many of you know that if we don't position ourselves in humility to be full, to overflowing, and if we don't actually go out into the community with any expectation to overflow, that promise would speak about our potential, but it would in reality be unrealised, and that God in his grace would still love the community, but he would raise up other people to do it. So, this can sound kind of heavy, can't it? But I think we have to know that nothing's inevitable. We reap what we sow. Do not be deceived, God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please the flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the spirit from the spirit will reap eternal life. I mean, that's, I believe in terms of that, that verse means eternal quality of life, a, a type of life that's a heavenly life. Let us not become weary in doing good for the proper time. We will reap a harvest if we do not give up. So the challenge then is this, that most of what you and I see in our life today is the result of the seeds that we sowed yesterday and for years before. And there's no condemnation, this is not meant to leave you crushed, because Jesus says there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, there's no punishment for you, the Bible comes to us to bring liberty, but in sometimes to bring liberty it needs to bring a very strong diagnosis. Like if you go to the doctor, and the doctor says, I've got bad news for you, but there's a treatment. You, you, you breathe in at the bad news, and, and breathe out a sigh of relief. There's, good, there's, there's medicine, there's a treatment, it's okay, we've called it early enough. So things can change. If we change the seed, we can change the harvest. So it means at the beginning of this, we come to terms with the fact uh, you and I are not passive victims of God, ourselves, circumstances, or other people. It may be that, and I'm sure there's horrendous stories of what people have gone through and the circumstances that people have gone through and the things that the people have faced uh, uh, would be horrendous. But even then, we are empowered in Christ with a choice yeah. to sow new seeds of, yeah. I will not become bitter. Yeah. I won't let the sun go down on my anger. Yeah. I will choose love. I will choose forgiveness. I will choose to trust God. Or, I will become embittered, I will see myself as a victim, I will passively allow my mind just to play awful tapes over again and again and again, and I will sow to that. And I've met dear people who have been through horrendous things, and you meet them ten years later, and they're worse than ever. And ten years have gone in a moment, because they're reaping what they sowed, even though at the beginning they were a... They were a victim of awful circumstances. So the Bible is this amazing 
paradox full of these amazing, almost tight ropes that we have to walk. You can do nothing, and yet you are powerful and free. Yeah. Since you can do nothing, how much help do you want? We've quoted that a lot. And yet at the same time, I'm not a passive victim. You're completely reliant and dependent, and at the same time, you get choices. I would say to every single person who's a Christian, you must have a radical growth plan for your life. You must. You, you must have in your heart, in your planning, I don't really mind how it looks. I have my own and it looks, and it reflects my personality and the way I think and the way I do things. But I anticipate that I will not be the same at the end of 2016. I won't be. I, will, I, I know that I will love him more, I will trust him more, I will see strongholds get torn down and broken, and I will see progress in more of the kingdom coming. Yes. Every believer needs to have a radical growth plan. Every choice we make is an investment. Jesus says, I've given you, remember the story of the talents? Two, three, five. One buries the one. Doesn't invest it. Doesn't make any wise choices about it. Doesn't put it in the bank. Every choice we make is a seed that's getting sown that becomes, at one point or another, a harvest that we reap. I feel like in our generation, the, the passivity and being a victim are two extreme dangers for us. God can find me, he knows where I live. If he wants to meet me, he can find me. There are times to be hungry and pursue him and position yourself. As Wigglesworth said, the great... Pentecostal revivalist said, if God's not moving, I'll move God. <laughs> and I know we then can feel that God, you're sovereign, you can do, you do all that you please, and that's true. But actually, he likes to be pursued, and he wants to be wanted, and he likes it when we pant after him like the deer pants for water. Paul says in Acts 17, he's not far from any of you. You can search him, you can reach him, you can find him. Can't afford to be passive. If we were about to climb Mount Everest, we would have some serious choices to make if we were going to reach the summit. There are certain things that you just would not be able to take with you. I heard recently, I think it was Bear Grylls, he, he, he was climbing Everest and the first party was about to get to the, the summit, final climb, and they'd forgotten the rope. So they had to go back down. And Bear Grylls, who hadn't forgotten the rope, had it with him, was able to get to the summit. 
If you're on an adventure of climbing Everest, there are certain things you want to take with you. Better have the tent packed. Better have enough food. We better have the rope. And there are certain things that you will not take with you. You don't need your 4K TV to climb the summit. And uh, that was in no way a condemnation for anyone who would like to have 4K TV, because I would want a 4K TV, okay? But if I'm climbing Everest, I don't need it. So a radical growth plan is this. It looks at what do I need and what don't I need to get where I'm going. Remember in 1993, I was on my way home from a party and I got viciously attacked by somebody who was later caught by the police and I ended up in hospital, severe concussion. He was prosecuted for grievous bodily harm. And I had no growth plan after God. And I'm not saying God... I don't believe in any way whatsoever that God punished me or in any way sent this guy to beat me because I was drifting. I was there at two o'clock in the morning by my own choice because I was drifting. But I remember waking up in the hospital the next morning and the thought I had was, I'm getting serious about you, God. And I know that you didn't send that man to beat me up to get me, ser- to get me serious. I was there because actually I was stupid. I was there and I drunk too much. They were all choices that I had made. But I wanted to get serious about God. And one of the things that changed for me was, I'm not going to bed at 3 o'clock every morning anymore. I'm getting up at 6.30. And we're having an hour together. And then I'm going to study. Whatever we want to get and achieve, once we see it, we need to say, I'm saying yes to that and no to this. I'm putting a boundary around that because this is my priority. So I want to give, to finish with just some tips of what we can do. So we're in this, so we're in this situation, maybe we've got some, some positive fruit growing and we're really pleased with that positive fruit. Work out how it got there so you can do more of the same. So that you're aware, actually, when I do this, it bears fruit over here. I must guard that, I must protect that. That's a fruit-bearing principle. So I want to guard, personally. I guard coming to church on Sunday. I guard generosity. I guard giving. I guard servanthood. Because they bear fruit. I'm going to guard them. But also we want to wrestle with other fruit in our life. And think, what's that about? Where did that come from? Why is that springing up? read this book... And one of the, the term she uses is rumble with it. Which I love that phrase, because me and my brother, when we were kids, we used to say, rumble! And rumble meant scrap on the carpet. And that was just a signal. It meant drop anything. We're now fighting. That was the signal for a rumble. 
I think we have to declare rumble on fruit and not be passive and not be a victim about it. We need to ask ourselves, why am I joyless? Why am I joyless? Why do I feel hopeless about this and about that and about the other? Why do I feel this low-level anger and frustration? Why do I feel disconnected? Why am I feeling shame? And shame is not feeling worthy enough to connect with God and with other people. Why do I feel with these things? And to rumble with them and to go after them and say, they're there because of seeds that have been sown. They're there, yeah, they might have been things that impacted me, circumstances, people, situations, but the seeds I'm bearing right now is because somehow I've been sowing into other things. And in Galatians chapter 5, 19, it gives a few examples. It says the acts of the flesh, or the seeds of the flesh are sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, fractions, uh, uh, fract- factions, fractions as needed. <laughs> Dealing with liability with maps. Well, that's factions. That's... <laughs> that's <laughs> Yeah, that new Max was bad. (laughs) Envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. Can you see that this is not to condemn us, so we think, ah, um, um, because Jesus has made a way for relationship and connection and being blameless that supersedes even what we're practically sown. So the gospel is connection regardless of what I've sown. It's through the finished work of Jesus. It's through the life, the death and the resurrection of Jesus. It's through the cross. Our righteousness is not because of the seeds that we've sown and the fruit that we're bearing. Fruit is a byproduct of connection to the vine. It's not the mechanism to get connected. That's how it works in nature. You don't see branches all over the floor bearing grapes. And you think, right, I better connect that bunch of grapes to a vine somewhere. Or well, there's a few apples on a, on a twig. I better find an apple tree and connect them. No, they're bearing fruit because they're connected to the vine or connected to the apple tree or connected to the oak tree. Supernatural fruit of seeds is a work of connection to God. It's abiding, it's connecting, it's trusting, it's drawing. And we're not passive victims of that. We get to abide, we get to choose Him, we get to connect. So we have to ask, we have to rumble with Why am I like this? Why am I bearing this fruit, this in my life? Why am I joyless, irritated? What am I doing? And then, after rumbling, we do the next thing, which is called the reckoning. Apparently in shipping, there's a reckoning. If you fall overboard in shipping, they do a reckoning. They want to know the longitude and the latitude and the exact position of this ship. They reckon it. They broadcast where it is, its exact position. This is where we are right now. I'm reckoning. This is where we are right now. I'm rumbling with something. I'm looking at the fruit. I'm looking at what's bearing fruit in my life, both the good and the negative. And then I'm going to say, this is where I am right now. 
So if I want to get out of this thing, I've got to change the seed in a very, very specific way. For example, in the rumble part of it, we might recognise that, wow, there's a lot of self-righteousness going on and a lot of criticism of other people. In the reckoning, we come to realise that self-righteousness is actually, or can be, for many of us, a mask for self-hatred and self-loathing. So we're rumbling with, wow, I speak a lot about other people. There's a lot of criticism, there's a lot of self-righteousness. In the reckoning, we've come to the position of, do you know what, I'm realising that when I'm really super critical about X and Y and Z is because I'm lacking confidence about who I am and what God has called me to be. And this self-righteousness, I'm trying to elevate myself through criticism because actually deep down I loathe myself and I hate myself. So the reckoning is, this is my position in reality, when you strip it all away and say it's not the circumstances, it's not other people, and I'm stripping away even saying it's mum, dad, school teacher, someone else in authority over me, when we stop and realise where I am right now is full of self-hatred and self-loathing. I can't just repent and say no, 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 no to that. I've got to change the seed to change the harvest. That's what the reckoning does. I don't like myself. That's why I'm gossiping, critical, harsh, self-righteous. So I need to change the seed. I need to hear about affirmation of God. I need to hear about his confirmation, his affirmation of me. I need to hear that I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. I need to hear that he loves me. I need to hear that I've got value and worth, not because I'm better than someone else, but just because I am me. And so I've got to change the seed. I'm going to go after scriptures that speak about what he says and who I am and who he's made me. I'm going to find out who he is because my value really is, my value really comes from the fact of the one who's loved me and his infinite worth. And I'm going to treat myself with compassion and love and gentleness because that's how he treats me. And that will then bear a harvest and different fruit will become evident. We might find in the rumble, you might think, I'm always wrong. But in the reckoning part, where we work out exactly where we are and why we're there, we realise that perfectionism and shame are two friends that ride together wherever we go. You might feel that I'm only worthy to be loved if I get it absolutely perfect. I've got to have said it perfectly, done it perfectly, worked it out perfectly. Everything has to be perfect, otherwise I'm not worthy. And then we have to change the seed for that. 
and say, I'm worthy of love and belonging and connection because he loved me from the foundation of the earth. God so loved the world that he sent Jesus to rescue me. He loves me. He values me. He doesn't just love me and value me when I get it perfectly. He loves me and values me when I'm progressing, when I'm growing, when I'm, when I'm doing more than I used to, when I'm more bold and more courageous and more loving. It's not just when I get it absolutely perfect. There can be a whole host of different harvests that we're seeing in our lives. Come to the Holy Spirit and, and just say, I'm not just going to blame this on everything going on around me, but I'm going to come to you and say, what's the seed being sown in this area? What specific seed needs to be sown? How can I change this to change the harvest? And finally, let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. In agriculture, there's always a delay between the seed and the harvest. We would love it to be like uh, the guy who sows the golden beans and thingy in the beanstalk, Jack in the beanstalk, and there it is, sowing the golden beans, go up and get the giant's treasure. But in reality, there's a, there's a delay between I'm sowing and I'm reaping. I'm sowing and I'm reaping, both in the negative and the positive. And it says it at the proper time. God has a timetable. I just feel this is one of the, almost again, if passivity and being a victim are two dangers. I would say the other big danger really is living in an instant culture that expects instant success and instant fame and instant breakthrough. Because God loves to work suddenly. Suddenly they heard the sound of a mighty wind in Acts 2. And the Holy Spirit came at Pentecost. But that promise was hundreds of years before and God had been working and preparing and getting ready so at the proper time he could do what he had promised. God has a timetable. Don't become weary in doing good. Sometimes we can think, right, I'm gonna not I'm not gonna be self righteous, I'm not gonna be critical. And then next day we think that didn't change me. I still hate myself. So I'll just turn that on to everybody else. The the renewing of the mind can happen suddenly, but it most often happens through process and steady steps. I've known moments of sudden breakthrough of God where everything was different. But I've also looked back and seen that he was working for years before, preparing and building and establishing and getting things ready and positioning. And it seemed in the moment that it was a suddenly of God, and it was a suddenly of God, but in his wisdom and goodness, that was the result of the, of the seeds that had been sown for years before. The harvest will absolutely come. God cannot be mocked. If it happens in the negative and we see it, we sow to bitterness or unforgiveness or lovelessness or lack of kindness or any 
or, or, or meanness. We find there's a harvest that goes with that. We've got to believe in the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. There are fruits of harvest that come inevitably through sowing seeds that he gets to work on. My plea with all of us and with myself on it is that we do not become weary in doing good. That we don't become victims or passive of doing good. The decision to walk deeply with people, to be known, to be authentic, to be in relationship with people, they are that's sort of a magnificent seed to sow. And say, I'm sowing to walking deeply, I'm sowing to relationship, I'm sowing to be connected to people. I'm sowing to walking in community. I'm not going to walk isolated on my own. And I'm just going to keep sowing to that. I'm sowing to that. I'm sowing to that. I know circumstances can get in the way sometimes. And so many of us work in the city. And, 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 and there's commute times. And there's life. And there's challenges in the city that are very different to challenges out elsewhere. And yet we just... Even taking all that aside, find creative ways to connect and walk deeply with people. Whether it's after Sunday, grabbing a couple of people and saying, let's have a coffee together. So to walking deeply and don't give up. Don't say, oh, well, that didn't work. That didn't work. I still feel just as isolated, just as disconnected. No, so to it. The harvest will come. That seed will bear fruit. Yeah. Giving. Giving how... Financial giving as a seed that you sow unlocks the heart from the deceptiveness of wealth. How the seed of generosity sown again and again and again causes us to go deeply with the Father and trust Him for everything. Not just, I gave once and it never happened for me. I've heard the stories, they gave and they got back. Yeah, there is a giving and the measure that you sow with gets measured back to you. But the motivation, first of all, is I'm giving just because everything I have belongs to you. It's not just I gave because I heard someone else gave and they got back. It's a lifestyle of generosity, of trust. I'm just going to make that decision. I'm giving again and again and again. The decision to say, I'm going to serve. I'm going to serve the body. I'm going to serve the local church, I'm going to serve wherever I go and I'm just going to keep doing it and doing it. Sometimes we can hear about serving and we can think, well, I'm just going to do it once. Oh, that didn't work. My gift didn't emerge. I heard that so serving gives you momentum, that it's easier for God to move a moving ship and steer it than it is a steady one and we serve once and then we quit and think, he didn't, he didn't unlock the greater ministry for me as I cleaned the toilets. A lifestyle. No, I'm, I'm, I'm sowing. I'm sowing. I'm sowing. I get noticed. I don't get noticed. I'm sowing because serving is important. I'm going to serve and I'm going to give and I'm going to serve and I'm going to give. If it's noticed, celebrated or not celebrated, I'm doing it for the king. And eventually a harvest will come. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Amen. The decision to sow to forgiveness. Sometimes forgiveness is a process to let go of judgment and wanting to get revenge. It can be a process that you keep sowing to it. And when the tape 
goes around in the middle of the night and you remember what they said and what you wished you'd said and what you will say if you get half a chance again and you decide to say, no, I choose forgiveness. I sow to forgiveness. Kind words to yourself and to others. Self-compassion. I'm going to sow to it. I'm going to sow to it. The church itself, the, the gathering of the saints, to sow to it. To sow to him. To say, being amongst God's people and worshipping with them and serving and loving and encouraging and one anothering, to make that decision, this is one of my priorities. Because we're not called to climb Everest all on our own. We're called to climb it in team, in community, in being known and knowing one another. Things like spiritual disciplines as they're being known, or I prefer means of connection, or means of relationship with God, or means of just enjoying God. Being silent before God regularly to hear his voice. Getting the Bible and chewing it over and meditating on a truth until you can feel the nutrients go deep down, until you can feel that verse come alive. Worshipping him. Asking for help. Because you might be sitting there thinking, this is all good and I, I'm, I'm so stuck right now. Well, ask for help. <coughs> Speak to a trusted brother or sister and say, I'm stuck right now. I want to move on in God. I want to reap a different harvest. Please, please, can you, can you give me some tips? Give me some advice. My conclusion is, this year, give the Holy Spirit something to work with. It just says... From the Spirit we will reap eternal life. Give the Holy Spirit something to work with. That's good. So that the quality of life of heaven more and more invades your heart. So he takes the seeds that we sow. A commitment saying, I'm regularly giving. I'm regularly going to be at church. I'm going to go to bed earlier on a Saturday night so I can wake up on a Sunday morning because I'm sowing to that. I'm going to have two or three minutes to begin with God and I want to see that grow. I'm going to read the Bible, I'm going to meditate on scripture, I'm going to soak, I'm going to make declarations of truth, I'm going to ask for help. All these things the Holy Spirit will take and produce something spiritual in them and produce fruit in them. And don't give up. At the proper time, in God's time, you will bear fruit. Mm. Have a radical growth plan for your life. Right now, between you and me, if I never had to go treasure hunting again, I would go, woohoo! <laughs> <laughs> but I have a dream. And it's a dream about what would happen, God, if there was overflow. What would happen, God, if we were walking down the street together 
and I saw something and I prophesied something and someone got healed and someone's life got turned around because God I'm convinced that the world's not just going to come to us that we've got to go to them and love them and show that you're really really good father And so for me, if I'm going into the street and like an old dry stick with not much overflow to the level I want, then I've got to say to God, what's the seed that I'm planting that's making that harvest? And so I need to change the seed to get another harvest. But I'm not quitting until you say stop. <coughs> we need as a church and as individuals to have that kind of tenacity in the things that God has given us to do and the things that he said over our lives. For you, you may never ever go treasure hunting, but you will have something that is going to be a war to grab hold of God and to see the level of breakthrough you know he's promised. What are you going to take with you up the mountain? What are you going to leave behind? What's the radical sowing strategy that you've got? What's your growth plan? Let me invite you to stand and pray for us.